you're listening to Funk with Fate, a show about being a body and cultivating pleasurable relationships with everything. And I'm your host, Mackenzie McCormick. This podcast will explore how our embodied experiences connect us to the world through astrology, philosophy, dance, magic, and anything that invigorates our aliveness. What makes us feel the most alive? Big inhale, big exhale. Now let's get grooving. That was a great podcast, by the way. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for your message. I really Yeah. No, every episode has been so great. I really appreciate it. Truly. Yeah, truly. Like have people reflect back, like, or like see people's Spotify raps and be like, wow you listen to my podcast that's crazy i'm just out here like recording them and you know like doing the intros solo and then just putting them out in the world and don't really know the impact that it happens yeah it feels like that sometimes yeah yeah literally into the void i feel that for sure just being doing the thing and creating the thing and then letting it live Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i absolutely love that Mm. yeah but even like i was listening to your last episode with chris today mm. um and i was just like yeah i don't have i i was i obviously don't have mars and scorpio but i was getting so much out of listening mm. to that and it was so like informative and it's always just beautiful to hear people's like lived experience of their placements mm. yeah it it's even though everyone you know obviously has their planets in different places there are so many things that reach across like the zodiacal boundaries because we all have all the houses and all the signs and so there's things that are pieces in us that we find which i think is really beautiful Um, absolutely means a lot i'll go ahead and say hi to everybody welcome to the show a nice chill beginning um today is Friday, December 1st, around 6 p.m. Eastern. And this is the Mars in Sagittarius episode of the Spicy Rendezvous, y'all. We have made it to the wild sign of Sag. And this is, uh, I love this. I love this sign. I'm super biased because obviously anybody on the show might know I'm a Sag rising. So this is Mars in my first. So selfishly, I'm obsessed with this Mars perhaps more than many, many of the others. And I'm super honored to have with me today, SP and Key. Y'all please introduce yourself to the pod, two people I love dearly. Absolutely, my pleasure. Key, do you wanna go first? Sure, yeah. Hey everyone, thanks Mackenzie for having me on. This is so exciting. I love Sagittarius people, so this is so fun. I'm so excited to just talk for a while with you guys. but yeah, I my name is Key. Um, I live on Dakota lands just outside of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and I grew up just over the border in Wisconsin. Um, I think first and foremost, uh, my practice is rooted in my terrestrial experience um, in a very mutable way. I'm constantly looking up and down and up and down, um, like seeking to integrate the reflections of those things the terrestrial and celestial um so my astrology and magical practices are earth-based and relationship-based and being an animist um seeing the world through an animist lens is what 
kind of opens up, yeah, opens up the possibility for me to have profound and personal relationships with the planets and the plants and the spirits mm -hmm. that I work with. Um, and I find myself surrounded by brilliant astrologers, uh, peers and friends um, who come to their magical mm -hmm. and astro astrological practices in very similar ways to me. And that feels so good to me. It just feels like home to be able to be surrounded by people who see the world in a very similar way like that. Um, and my practice is rooted in ancient Hellenistic astrology, mostly with a sprinkle of medieval. Um, but my influences are always changing as I kind of delve deeper into the practice. Um, and I found astrology when I was eight. So I, um, before I knew of ancient astrology, I was reading like modern uh, astrology books, which are a bit more cut off from ancient astrology, but I think have uh, given me a pathway to like a compassionate, psychologically influenced astrology that I practice with people now. And I met Mackenzie at Norwalk and on socials, but we were able to hang out at Norwalk and that was amazing. And SP, we haven't been able to meet in person yet, but I love your podcast and we've talked a little on socials. So I'm so excited to hang with y'all. Oh my gosh, the moment that I had at Norwalk meeting you, like, uh, just truly my heart, uh, like so, so good. We have like matching yellow water bottles. Like it's so cute. <laughs> That's wow. right. We do. It's so cute. I was, whenever we were sitting across from each other and I was like looking at those, I was like, this is, this is it. This is it. <laughs> it was, yes. Talking all about lots and fitness and all the things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And ascendant assemblies. Yes, and Ascendant Assemblies, of course. Yeah, exactly. You both are in the Sag Rising group. Oh, the the wonderful Sag Rising group of Ascendant Assemblies. <laughs> if you know, you know, basically. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Basically. Perfect. SP, tell us about you now. <laughs> uh, so it's an honor to be here. Um, my name is SP Hall. I am uh, currently in Queens, New York. Um, I'm born and raised in New York City, and I just moved back here on the heels of uh, Venus retrograde in my ninth house. Um, so I'm like starting a new chapter, basically. Um, before I forget, I just want to say that like my primary teachers, I, I have a similar kind of um, perspective as key, um, kind of Hellenistic, medieval, Islamic it, uh, techniques and tradition. Um, intellectual inheritance, I suppose. Um, and my main teachers are um, Chris Brennan and Rob Bailey for Horary. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned so much from listening to Chris's podcast, I really like got a foundation there. Um, and I've learned so much about the medieval Islamic tradition through um, basically like studying, but being a being a patron of Ali Alomi and um, engaging with his work. Uh, on his Patreon and his podcast. Uh, so I just want to say that and kind of give um, give a nod to them. Um, yeah, before, I, I'm, a, I'm a relatively new student, actually. I've, I've only been studying astrology for about a year and a half. Um, I actually met Mackenzie at Norwalk as well uh, when I was there in 21, um, more as a uh, supportive partner uh, for my then um, partner who was presenting at Norwalk. Um, but I attended a day and I, um, remember sitting in Jason Holly's sun lecture next to, 
um, my friend Aaron Tech Shipley and just getting hooked by the astrology bug. And um, the last year and a half has been a really um, intense process of uh, laying a foundation of learning um, for astrology. And in that time, uh, I started a podcast, which he uh, mentioned called Luminaries in and Out of Sect. Um, I talked in, in a very similar vein. I feel like Mackenzie, myself, and our friend. And Shahir. Yeah, yes, Shahir. We basically all got to know each other in Ascendant Assemblies in the Sag Rising group. And Shahir did this Venus embodiment series, which um, I had the idea for for my my podcast at that point. But he, uh, I'm sorry, they really um, motivated me to commit to doing it and moving ahead with it. Um, and then... Yeah, Mackenzie, we talked before you launched this podcast um, with this Mars embodiment series. So I feel like we're all Sag rising night night chart people and we're all kind of like doing our part to honor and share uh, share the the good news of, of the night sect. Um, and I've learned so much uh, by um, speaking to other people about their lived experience of their chart. And um, it's been a really wonderful way to deepen my my learning and make community connections and all of these things. And so I think with that, I will, I'll leave the, the intro there. Oh my gosh. I know the three of us are really doing the body work of the nights. Like we are bringing the people to the bodies of themselves in so many ways, um, which is, is so interesting because obviously we're talking about it, which does seem to be more of a almost diurnal day thing of like doing the spirit work of talking about it and putting it out in the world and like broadcasting it, which is a very solar thing. Mm -hmm. And then we're taking essentially that spotlight, literally like the moon's reflection and putting that on the night second saying like let's look at us let's feel us let's not you know talking about it and feeling it are not mutually exclusive you know and it's goes all of the ways and goes in all of our layers hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and it's interesting too that in opposition well potentially in opposition to like the solar um endeavor of like lecturing you know, like mm. monologuing, like mm. all of us are having these, con mm. like having conversations, having connections, you know, mm. these kinds of like um, embodied emotional conversations, which feels very lunar, feels very of the mm. night in a way as well. Mm, yes, very of the night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a night sect person, I love all three of your podcast and YouTubes and the, the things that you guys have talked about. Cause, and I love a good lecture. I love a good solar, just like sit down and listen to this technique. I love mm -hmm, that. But mm -hmm. also like to really get into the personal experience and see astrology working on a personal level and an embodied level is just like, that's what really hits, you know, that's, mm -hmm. it's just so good. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I guess I have to shout it out and make it a big deal because this is the first Mars episode where I have two guests. And I'm thrilled about this because I wanted this to happen at some point. Um, it just hasn't worked out necessarily up until this point. But I knew that I wanted it to be a mutable sign. 
Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously mutable signs are famous for doing things more than once mm -hmm. and in a lot of different ways and multiples and multiplicity. And I was so thrilled that it worked out to have both of you on because I love both of you um, so much. And I'm so thrilled to have both of you on because I had both you know, love talking to you and also admire both of your work and the, what you do in the world as well. Um, so that's important to me. Before we go any further, I want to go ahead and remind everybody that this is an episode of the Spicy Rendezvous, which is about Mars, um, which is a planet that can bring up very sensitive information, very triggering information, very inflammatory information, um, topics that can come up that can be very triggering um, as opposed to in relation to, I should say, anger, aggression, violence, injury, illness, um, things of the sort that can go on in the body that are unpleasant and to at all times when listening to this episode and my podcast writ large to be aware of where you are in the moment and how you're feeling and to listen to your body more than you are just listening to the words that we're saying and to keep that in mind in balance um, before moving on. But um, but moving on, yes, both of you are here because you have Mars in Sagittarius. So this is the first Mars in a Jupiter sign. So of course, obviously there's gonna be two people as well. Like it just makes so much sense, truly. Like with Jupiter, there's always more. Um, and um, yeah, do we wanna start by showing charts and just like letting the world know who you both are? Yeah. Um, who wants me to pull them up first? You pick. I feel like this is the hard part, so uh, I will go first. I say it's the hard part because I mentioned to these two fine folks before we started recording that this is the first time I'm publicly sharing my chart. So um, I went back and forth on it a little bit, but I'm like, let's do it in true true Mars and Sag fa fashion. It's like let's let's just go for it. Why not? Let's go. Just bear it all. <laughs> this is. I just want everybody on the podcast to know what a deep and serious honor it is. Um, as much as Sagittarians are wild, chaotic <laughs> jokesters in so many ways, um, there is such a seriousness that comes with it as well. Um, and I, this specific thing, having it on my podcast and having you even say that really brought shivers down my spine when you said it initially before. And I just want to emphasize what an honor it is to be trusted in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Glad to be able to do it with you, Mackenzie. Mm. I just hot, have to say, hot, sp hot, spicy <laughs> Mars, hot, spicy Mars. With the moon, I. But I have to say how much I love that you have this giant Capricorn stellium. Mm -hmm. Um, that's so great, and also I think I'm excited to talk with the two of you today about kind of what you just said, Mackenzie. That like Sag is silly and like can be loud and all the things, but people don't realize that they're like, there are more like, I don't know, ways that people can be more private or there's a lot more kind of like reflective uh, energy that um, I have seen from USP at least in like mm. the public sphere with your podcast. And I know that I have in my life and I'm sure like your Capricorn plays into that too, but it's just interesting how um, the Sag energy mixes with our other energies and kind of mm. expresses itself. Yeah. Mm. I Thank love that. that. 
So I guess for uh, audio listeners, SP has Sagittarius rising with Moon and Mars both very close at three and five degrees respectively um, in early Sag. And then just the most massive, juicy, fat, delicious Capricorn stellium out there. You know what I'm saying, (laughs) y'all? Yeah, in Capricorn, I have the Sun, Saturn, uh, Mercury for my for my Hellenistic heads. I have the Lot of Fortune as well, conjunct Mercury, and then for our for our outer girlies, I have Uranus conjunct my Sun, Neptune conjunct Saturn, um, and that does it for my Capricorn stellium. <laughs> Juicy, amazing, and like Mars and the Moon are so close. They're 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 like two degrees. It's it's conjunct simply. Yeah, and then Jupiter in Cancer. And then Key, you have of course also Mars and Sagittarius, but it's in your second house. I for audio listeners, Key has Scorpio rising with Jupiter and Pluto in the first. Um, and then has all of this Sag goodness in the second, so many planets in the second. Both of you have massive second house stelliums, which I guess I'm just now remembering. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Ooh, yeah. It's, it's going to be such an embodied conversation. We have second house Mars. Well, we, you have a first house Mars, but like you have all the second house stuff. I have all the second house stuff. Mackenzie, you have a sixth house Mars. So it's like Mars is very <laughs> in the body <laughs> with mm-hmm. us so much because you both also i guess yeah i did knew this in my head but i'm remembering that you both have the moon and mars in sagittarius together i'm thrilled wow thank you both for letting the pod know you know you um so just to start obviously mars is one of the malefics and we're in this big juicy wide open sagittarius house just this broad wildflower field of opportunities um just to start what are both of your you know like initial thoughts about the placement maybe even thinking about it outside of yourself for a moment yeah i the first thing that i think is so interesting with sag is that there's no exaltation or fall in sag and it's just it's a peregrine landscape you know, and it's like, it's, you're kind of moving through the space without much special attention, negative or positive. Um, You know, there's no one like exalting you or there's no feelings of like, oh, you know, fallen feeling sort of, um, which in a way is cool because I think that lends to Sagittarius, like the placement's ability to like if no one's really putting you in a box then or putting like a lot of expectations on you in either direction it allows you to expand in different directions and experiment Mm. but it also can leave you aimlessly wandering and like kind of spiraling Mm. around and trying all these different things and you're not really sure where to land or what to choose and i think there's a lot of interesting manifestations with peregrine placements but especially with sag that just have to do with kind of taking the winding road um and just being an adventurer and an explorer but also having to deal with the struggles of feeling lost sometimes Mm. yeah i think the first first thing that comes to mind is like who who is this character mars um so mars is uh 
the planet that separates the planet that cuts um it's extremely hot and dry uh so it's kind of like the nature of fire um and i think part of why we put it or it you know quote unquote prefers uh the night sect is because um its extremity is mediated by the night that that um hotness is a little cooler that dryness is a little bit more uh you know not so dry and so um you know i think when we think about malefics when we think about these planets at the extremes um we think of benefit perhaps for the native by having those extremes uh, mitigated slightly i i think of mars and as a this interesting planet because um i think it can it can kind of rejoice in a certain place um by sect as well as by gender you know it's like mars likes the heat but that doesn't necessarily mean that the heat is good for the person with the chart you know what i mean and so mars is this interesting thing because i do think it likes to be in a fire sign um but it's not always uh the easiest thing to deal with you know and um perhaps in a day chart it's even more difficult uh, when the sun is above the horizon but as key spoke to um sagittarius is this mutable fire sign so Diana Rose Harper has come up with like all these like wonderful images for each of the signs based on their uh, modality and triplicity. And so, and, and the image that comes with um, Sagittarius is like the wildfire uh, mm-hmm. or the, uh, I think another one is like the, the fire that you can transport. You can kind of move from one place to another. Um, and, and the thing about a wildfire is one, there's a necessity uh, in wildfire Um tree species like evolve to kind of depend on wildfire which i think is an interesting an interesting thing um Mm -hmm. and it's very unpredictable and it's very um it's unclear which direction it will go in so you know as he spoke about like uh i think i think of that mutability as um you know there being uh things that odds perhaps or not necessarily at odds but things just moving in different directions um and so depending upon the house that's in um that can mean a lot of different things uh but for me i think about it as kind of uh perhaps a complexity of action or a multiplicity of action um with it in my my first house so yeah i think i'll stop there Hmm. I love that. Through that muti- multiplicity of action, meaning taking on and doing things in a lot of different ways or just a lot of things in general, because that is something that I do feel that I often see in a very, a very mutable Mars is doing a lot of different things. I think for me personally, it's um, yes and. It's kind of a both. Like, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, irons in the fire generally. Like, there's, I have a lot of interests. There's a lot of different things that I'm wanting to do. Um, but in addition, there are just a lot of different things. I, you know, like m- multitasking is a word that comes to mind. There's a lot of different things I will be doing 
at one time um or perhaps uh i will go through these kinds of seasons of uh an intensity of action and so like uh something i was reminded of in preparation for this episode was my mom one of the things my mom used to always say to me when i was a kid was that i burned the candle at both ends which feels very very like mars and sag you know if we think of fire and dual fire burning the candle at both ends Mm -hmm. uh you know it's kind of to my the detriment of my body or what have you um you know is i think a great example of that literally overworking Mm -hmm. like overworking entirely um so because of that because for you it's in the first and for you it's in the second um not just house placement but also like in relation to the other planets how do you feel that your like relationship with mars has i guess developed over time from you know a then and now um coming into planetary relationship with them yeah it's been quite a journey (laughs) um well i think like so my mars is sandwiched between the sun and um a sextile with saturn so it kind of like thinking i i love the wildfire metaphor that diana has and i really think it feels like mars is kind of just out there galloping around exploring the wide open spaces and then there's like a wildfire behind them that they're running from and they kind of hit a giant mountain and really the only way to kind of get to safety or fulfillment is to to go up to kind of keep leveling up and I think that metaphor for me is like I I constantly feel the need to level up and like do it faster and do it better because the sparks are burning me and I've got to get up this mountain and also having my Mars in the third decan of Sag feels very do or die and so a lot of my relationship with Mars has been super intense like it has to be it has to be perfect. It has to be the best. It's got to be, you know, all of these really um, internally competitive things um, that, but at the same time, uh, kind of uh, confusing with the, um, like the multitudinous nature that we just spoke about. Like, I also have so many passions and interests and I don't want to choose between any of them. I see a vision of how they all end up working together and I want to make that happen, but it's not easy. Um, Mm. And it definitely does leave you feeling burnt out and kind of like I'm giving so much energy to all these different things. Like, am I wasting my time? Like, how is this really going to end up? And um, so it has been a challenge for me throughout my life of like, feeling like I constantly have to progress, but in all of these areas. And um, especially since my Saturn return and this uh, sixth house Mars perfection year this year um, has really changed my relationship with Mars and kind of helped me start to hone it even though I'm not choosing like I still am doing all the things but I've somehow figured out a way to like work with the flow of it because um maybe I'll I can speak more of it speak more on this like later in the episode but um 
you know, a Mars and Sag isn't a Mars and Cap. It's not like super efficient and linear. Mm. It's a very non-linear and it's been a struggle and a journey to like accept that and and be like it's okay if I drop things and then I pick it up later and I come back to it and whatever like it's non-linear it's not really efficient but it's what works for Sag Mars and accepting that Mm -hmm. has helped a lot a phrase that just came to mind is that you're from what you said it made me think of this like feeling of being in competition with yourself to have as many experiences as possible Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you yeah, think... no, go ahead. Go ahead, Mackenzie. No, you're good. Go for it. Okay. I was going to say that um, there's a lot of different ways that I've experienced my Mars placement throughout my life. Um, and, you know, thinking about this, you know, talking in, in this episode, I was really struck by how mercurial astrology can be and how um like multifaceted any one placement can be um you know like whether we just look at it generally in the birth chart or we take that and look at how it plays out via like timing and things like that um so one very easy example to give of a moon mars conjunction in the first is um just like generally needing to move my body every day or like i pay the price with what you would expect with a moon mars conjunction which is like i get kind of anxious i get restless um you know like i don't know if it's the sag capricorn antitia but like i can kind of i can kind of get the the depressies a little bit um if i'm not like maintaining momentum uh if i'm not maintaining movement and like the moon and mars are both associated with movement uh so that's like one really clear example additionally um you know and there's like a lot that we could talk about going into this but um moon mars in the first but cadent by degree um i have kind of seen in my own life as it's still very much a part of my personality, but it is taking on those 12th house significations perhaps of like a more interior, um, there's a more interior flavor. And so like throughout my life, um, like many uh, people socialized as men, I, you know, the, the main emotion that I was able or allowed to experience um, was anger. And, um, so a lot of dealing with that Mars and, you know, a lot of like the movement practice that I have has been kind of, uh, learning to deal with that energy that comes, uh, through that kind of conjunction there. And, um, I feel like I had one other thing I wanted to say, but it's kind of escaped me. So I'm going to throw it back out there. And if I, if I remember, I'll jump back in. You put it down and you'll probably pick it up later. I absolutely will. <laughs> exactly. 
that's why we just circle back to to all the things we have like five conversations going at once i normally find this myself. is well that i do feel that that is really much a sagittarius archetype is that i've started i have a couple friends that i see regularly that are sag risings which is a blessing honestly not astrologer friends but people who are you know astrologically aware but they just are sag risings that we've gravitated towards each other and we've started saying calling it the loop back um whenever we like constantly come back to something and it happens in conversation writ large with people but i find it happening so regularly with my sagittarius people because they can just come back to something be like yeah we left it there but we're gonna run back to it and get it and bring it back eventually whenever we have the energy and the time and the space to run back to it yeah yeah and i love that about sag placements and mutable people in general i think it's fun and i know that it can be overwhelming sometimes or maybe some people are like like can we just focus like can we get back to what we were talking about and i get that but it's fun i don't know it's just fun to have the conversation moving around so much and like making the different connections and then you know nobody is mad if you're like oh what were we talking about oh five minutes ago this thing okay let's get back to that you know i i like it it's fun it's dynamic (laughs) yeah speaking of that so other fun uh like mars in sag uh things that kind of come to mind uh so i have moon mars conjunction with venus uh sextiling both of them uh, from the third and so very early on in life i uh, i have like an irish catholic upbringing and so there was like a bagpipe band in my hometown and uh, i started playing the bagpipes when i was in second grade and so you know we can we can think about the moon uh especially um demetra georgian in, in her volume one uh talks about this technique by Paulus of Alexandrinus, and she doesn't get into it a lot, but if you look at aspects within 30 degrees of the moon, um, it gets like, you can break it down uh, with like the first five degrees being childhood and so on and so forth. And so I have this Mars and Venus within two to three degrees of the moon. And so, yeah, when I was like eight years old, I started playing the bagpipes and it's this very, uh, the bagpipe is an instrument of war, which is why it's like so loud and um kind of brash like it's supposed to be played on a battlefield um (laughs) historically like you're not allowed to play if you like i i played bagpipes professionally as a as a kid actually and like what a flex um, you play (laughs) you play the bagpipes outside of the church you're not allowed in the church um but you can play the organ or the guitar and you can obviously sing in churches but like because of the bagpipes association with war um it's not like it's not allowed uh, in the church. And there's a whole like colonial history that goes along with that in Ireland. Um, but anyway, that's a, a good example of like martial arts, a, a kind of mm. martial art um, playing an instrument of war. Um, and so interestingly played like outside of churches was the example you gave, because, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes people can see churches as being a very Jupiter experience. Mm-hmm. Um, of religion and of faith and spirituality and um a place where people have big beliefs happen and to have this like symbol of war um played like you can't actually be in it it has to be outside of it i think is very interesting yeah yeah i love knowing that i had no idea that that was the history of the bagpipe and that is just so funny the church is like that's too loud that's too aggressive in here you need to do that outside mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's Absolutely. very cool 
that's also such a mars experience too yeah we need to take this outside <laughs> for real um what you said sp about your moon mars experience is interesting i wonder if there is a similarity with other like i know there's a similarity with me having my other luminary with mars the sun mm -hmm. um but it was such a similar experience to me and i i wonder if a, a lot of other um mars luminary people kind mm -hmm. of feel this way where they really have to get their mars energy out like through their body or it's really important to kind of their sense of self um and also the emotion of anger kind of being this complicated like a complicated relationship with that um and really needing to find a way to express that because i mm -hmm. i definitely relate i saw this quote the other day i wish i would have written down where i like a, the source of it but it was essentially it was a longer quote but a part of it was talking about anger being not only emotion but a belief system um, and how there are people that believe in like anger and force and aggression as they're essentially like leading spiritual force. Um, and it made me, it made me think of Mars and Sag um, and the faith and just really the trust that people have in things sometimes working out whenever they just go for it essentially in a mars way without maybe the forethought or all of the thinking um that sometimes goes into a martial planning process but just being willing to trust that it will work out mm. yeah i big relate to that i really do um i don't know why i think of all the game of thrones references with you mckenzie but i was thinking about mars and sag today and like um the quote that resonated with me most, which feels very descriptive of what you're talk, kind of talking about in a way, um, and, and is I think descriptive of Mars in the first house of identity for me personally, is um, the part where the character's name is Mansurator and he's like the king beyond the wall, the king of the quote unquote wildlings. Uh, and he's united uh, all of these clans, this kind of wild clans, and he gets captured uh and the quote that he says i don't know exactly why he says it i can't quite remember but it, it stuck with me he says i've the only thing i've ever wanted was the freedom to make my own mistakes and that to me feels very uh i don't even know why it feels emotional maybe i'm just exhausted from a long week at this point but um there is something about jupiter and ideas of divinity and the faith to take action the faith to know that uh there's a a beauty and a kind of spirituality of in failure um mm -hmm. and yeah that it feels very kind of um a meandering Mars and Sag of I can't quite see where the light is leading me or where the fire is going, where it's spreading to, but I'm going to trust. Uh, I'm going to trust in it and I'm going to follow it, um, going where that spark leads. 
And so, yeah, that feels resonant. And um, I think personally in my own chart, that's helped a lot by the role that the moon and Mars and then Jupiter are all kind of playing together, um, which I can maybe get into uh, later on or in a little bit. But um, yeah, I'll leave that there for now. I that's making me emotional too I relate to that so much and it's hilarious because a quote that the only quote that I wrote down for this talk today is like it's the same thing it's a quote by Edna St. Vincent Millay who has um a moon Mars conjunction in mm. Sag and the quote is um I know I have it here I am glad I paid so little attention to good advice had I abided by it I might have been saved from some of my most valuable mistakes wow wow and it's so like that is so Mars and Sag it's so like that wandering nature that we talked about I think yeah there's you know in a world where there's like a lot of pressure to get things right and get them right the first time and be quick about it and be efficient about it, especially with Mars, right? Because Mars does want to be precise. Mm. Um, but I think with Sag Mars, we figure out the answers by doing all the wrong things first. And it's a very mm. trial mm. and error and it can be frustrating, but I think that's part of what opens allows sag mars to have um such a wide perspective to so many different possibilities um because you know we've walked in so many different shoes and we've tried so many different things and it's like the mistakes are definitely like a spiritual experience mm -hmm. um once you allow them to be the willingness to do it again and do it differently over and over again is so beyond admirable mm -hmm. because it's not just about always getting it right. It's about the experience that you have along the way and how much you learn from every different type of action or attempt um, or approach and how each one of them, you know, even though it might be a mistake, that doesn't necessarily mean that there was something wrong. You know, it might have just, there is, you know, something not being right doesn't necessarily always mean that it's wrong. Um, right. Yeah. 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 The interesting thing about that is I was saying this to someone yesterday, I was outside of a spiritual gathering and they were talking about like someone telling them what to do or whatever, like saying something. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like people giving me suggestions when I haven't asked for them. It's like, so therefore I don't do that to other people. It's like, cause I don't really know them. I don't know what's right for them. And I think that's, it's a cliche thing. I think that comes up for me that feels very sad in the first when someone's like, do this. I'm like, fuck you. You don't know. Like, you don't fucking know me. Like, you don't know what's best for me. You don't know like my journey. You don't know where, like, and it does feel very cliche to be like, you don't know me. Like you, you, you don't even know who I am, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, there is a real truth to it. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't, we, none of us know uh, what is best for someone else. And I don't know where the, 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 the divine failures that I'm experiencing today, I don't know where that's leading me tomorrow. Um, 
and so, and that's a part of all of our paths i think uh and a part kinds. of the trust mm-hmm. yeah a part yeah. of the trust that you have to let yourself you know ride mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like what you said of having faith in the next step and i i have my mars in, and jupiter are in aversion and i often feel mm-hmm. like my teacher sam reynolds likes to tease me that it's mutual deception and that they're just two drunk drivers trying to get each other home but i um i see them i've come to see them more as just like that that intuition and that voice that it's it's just one breadcrumb that i've been given mm. is on the path and like i don't know where that's taking me and it may look chaotic and weird to other people on the outside and they might have advice for what they think I should do next. But like, I, I just know to follow that breadcrumb and mm-hmm. it leads me in weird places, but it does end up leading me where I want to be. And so it's, yeah, it's like really having faith in that inner knowing and that your path is yours. And even if it looks chaotic to other people, it's like, you got to just trust you. Mm, Yes. Speaking of that, maybe let's talk more like, you know, specifically about that Mars Jupiter relationship. Um, I guess I also just realized you both have your Mars and Sag averse to your Jupiter, the ruler um you know for key they're right next to each other you know mars and sag and then you know jupiter and scorpio so they're right next door they answer to each other um sp do you want to talk about your mars and jupiter a bit yeah totally and i would love to just talk more about mutual reception um mm-hmm. or like what deception to... yeah, yeah like i don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> yes i don't personally see it as deceptive i do like okay so there's this great rob hand lecture where he talks about mutual reception which is like um planets being in each other's signs in some way uh and then like but they're making an application they can see each other and they're making a traditional aspect so you know the the you folks know the traditional aspects i don't need to say them (laughs) people on my podcast probably either they know what those sight lines mean or they're like yeah i'm just here vibing that's (laughs) so when when a planet's in another planet's generosity or when planets are in a kind of generosity with each other there's not an aspect but there's a shared rulership or there's an exchanged rulership and so my chart this happens with the moon and and jupiter and then it also happens with Mars and Jupiter uh, in really interesting ways. And in that lecture, Rob Hand talks about uh, you have son- you have domicile, which is the planet's home. You have exaltation, so where where the planet is held up, the sign where the planet's held up. But then you have these quote unquote minor dignities, which perhaps maybe aren't so minor of uh, triplicity. And the narrator and- said that they are not minor. <laughs> they weren't minor. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't minor <laughs> at all. Not in fact minor. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. So we have triplicity in face and in term. And so um, I have the moon and Jupiter. They're in, uh, the moon is in Jupiter's diurnal sign of Sagittarius and Jupiter is exalted in the domicile of the moon. So there's a kind of exchange there. Um, and then Mars and Jupiter are in each other's triplicity and 
each other's term. And so there are these two minor dignities. Mm. Um, and so there is some kind of like, it's not uh, it's not the most optimal or the most supportive, but there is a kind of support that uh, I see happening um, between these two things or between these two people. They're, they are being kind of resourced in some kind of way. Um, and I think the moon... The moon Mars relationship is really interesting too, because there are ways where the moon is like activating Mars, um, any planet that the moon touches, it kind of like, you know, it's like an, an shines a light on it. It activates it, it brings energy to it. Um, and, um, so there's that, but then the moon and Mars are within three degrees. So like, it, you know, again, going back to Demetrius volume one, that's a condition of maltreatment. So it's, a bad, a very, you know, a, a quite bad thing for the moon. Um, but then there's also between the moon and Mars, uh, because it's my chart is a night chart. Uh, the moon is the, the, the sect light and, um, Mars is actually Mars and Jupiter technically are both spear bearing for the moon. And so Mars is like the moon's protector in a way, but it's almost like when, uh, you know, so, like a president or somebody like gets shot at and like the secret service agent has to like tackle them. There's like this kind of thing that's happening where it's mm. like, there's like a protection that hurts. Um, mm. And I mm. see that in, um, uh, I see that in ways in my life as well. And if we think about like, and, and I'm interested to hear how this happens in, in your chart. Um, and I know I'm getting off topic, but I feel like this is kind but of- But we love story. that. It's, we love it. It's we love that. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. If we look, especially at the malefics and like the, the quote unquote, like negative rays that they cast. So like, where is Mars casting the opposite opposition to, and where is it casting the squares to? That's like a place where Mars is bringing challenge because the square and the opposition are tense aspects. And so I can see that like in my seventh house relationships- you know, relationships with romantic partners, um, what have you, when Mars, uh, you know, if I get into an argument with a partner, Mars can sometimes get very protective. Um, and I can respond in anger, or I can respond in a harsh tone. Um, and really, like what, really, like what I'm trying to do is there's like a part of me that wants to just protect myself, because I feel like I have to do that. Um, and there's like an overstepping that ultimately can be a challenge for that person that's represented by the seventh house. Um, and I see that a lot. Like I see a lot where I have a, ch I, I feel um, insecure or I feel like I'm in danger and Mars wants to step up and, and protect. And um, it's a very beautiful thing in a way, because I'm like, Oh, I want to, you know, I want to like look out for myself. Like that's beautiful, but also um, it can manifest in ways that are quite challenging. And, um, but to bring in the mutual reception between Jupiter and Mars, I've said all that. And now I need to think about it for a second. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass it over to Key. <laughs> and that... we'll, cir we'll circle back. We'll close the loop. Okay, yeah. We'll close the loop. Don't you worry. We'll close that loop. Um, <laughs> I, that was such a beautiful way of describing Moon Mars in a way that I hadn't 
thought about before and just how Mars can be the moon's protector. And when I think about that from the perspective of my Mars sun relationship, and I suppose arguably like, you know, the sun is more powerful than Mars in this scenario versus like Mars is hurting your moon. Um, Mm -hmm. But like the way that I kind of parallel what you know your experience with that is that Mars has done Mars has made it I guess there's kind of like a two side two sides to it right like Mars and the sun being together means that as I've gotten older Mars kind of wants me to have um Mars wants me to be a little bit more aggressive about my sense of self to, I think there's a lot of ways when I was younger and I think people, when you're younger in general, like you want to be validated and you want to be seen. And so you might not authentically express yourself because you don't want to be like shunned. And um, Mars has really asked me to kind of uh and i i have my mc in the um last decan of leo too and so that's like mm-hmm. trining the two of them at the last decan of sag so that story has very much been like you just gotta be you and there are gonna be people who don't like you and mm-hmm. you can't meet like that can't mean that you don't like authentically express yourself um you have to have like the bravery to kind of you know, just um, fully express yourself in that way and not uh, like people please or or do things that would just be inauthentic to you. Um, but then on the other hand, that Mars and Sun, it can kind of easily feel wounded if I feel like my sense of self is misunderstood. Like I so badly want people, you know, in the past, like I've so badly wanted people to really see who I truly am and like understand mm-hmm. my my motives and what I'm trying to do and who I am trying to be. And if it's misunderstood, it like deeply hurts. Mm. Um, And I I think that might be a sad thing in general, just like really wanting to be understood. Um, But yeah, so that's how it's kind of turned out on like a two-sided coin for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel that that is a very archetypally Sagittarius thing, that desire to be understood and to have the more deep layers of our belief system known, because that is a part of who we are. And I think that maybe a part of the Sagittarius almost archetype that people think of that misunderstood or even flaky type of energy um, comes from the deep willingness to sacrifice our belief system as soon as we feel that it is inauthentic. And as Mm -hmm. soon as it becomes something that is no longer true to us, it is very easy to put it down and never pick it up again because it's no longer resonant. It's no longer in alignment with what makes me, me. And so then that doesn't mean that we have somehow betrayed ourselves. That means that we have become more authentic and true to who we are. And that doesn't mean that that previous belief was wrong or has or that some it's not right for someone else but for that in our life at our time we have now moved on from it and picked up something that is greater um i also wanted to comment specifically on what you said about the mars moon relationship like the square and opposition and like the protector because i 
will tell anybody and have said on the pod many times my moon mars opposition is um delicate and um I often like to think of in that relationship with them, Mars, I like to say that they're a crisis care worker because they're like Mm -hmm. plugging up like the holes on the battlefield, like fixing and wrapping the wounds. And then also I think of it a lot in relationships and conversations um, and in moments of hurt, in moments of vulnerability, doing everything that can be done to wrap up those loose edges so that they're not fraying, so that they're not being lost or neglected um yeah it's a beautiful image yeah so we've kind of talked about it a bit but i would love to talk about the mars houses in both of your charts the aries and scorpio houses we've kind of talked a bit about them um but the mars ruled places in our chart key you have this like amazing scorpio rising i guess that's also i'll just go ahead and put it in here the scorpio rising sagittarius rising solidarity is quite literally unmatched i don't know if anyone understands um but i hope that they do because it is it runs so deep with not just like you but so many scorpio risings that i know and have had relationships and friendships with and just seeing them vibe it's it's amazing i know i love sag and scorpio placements separately together i just love them and i think that even though they're in a version we really do work so well together maybe because we um are both kind of like truth seekers in a way like Scorpio is not afraid to get in there and figure out the truth whatever it is and um Sag is I mean I guess arguably maybe a little uh less intense about it or they're maybe like a little less willing to kind of look at you know all of the gunk and stuff where Scorpio's like no give it to me but Mm. I think Sag and Scorpio kind of need each other in that way because Scorpio can can kind of check Sag where needed to kind of look a little deeper and Sag wants to do that because they they do want to understand like Mm. the truth and they do want to expand their perspective and um Sag can help kind of lighten Scorpio up when they need a boost (laughs) Mm. Yeah, Key, it's interesting to hear you say that because I was like a little bit, uh, Mackenzie, you brought this up on my podcast when you were on for the Scorpio moon. And I was like, I feel like I don't have that many Scorpio risings in my life. Like maybe it's just because of your moon. I feel like I kind of collect, like, I feel like I kind of collect Capricorn risings. Like they just Mm, are in my life. And I'm like, I'm like, is it because of the second house connection of like resources? Mm. And so these people are like Mm. a support to me or something like that um but i think it does make sense either way you know this very kind of um and it's really interesting sag season sag season is the end of the waning of the sun's light you Mm -hmm. know at the very beginning of capricorn the sun like metaphorically like hits its nadir it like dies and is reborn where it starts this new cycle of gaining in light. But, you know, that first day of Capricorn season is in the winter solstice is the the shortest day of the year. And so it's interesting that we associate uh, Sag with this very uh, hopeful, optimistic thing. And and of course, that's the connection to Jupiter uh, and Jupiter's buoyancy. Um, But I think whether Sagittarius 
has this connection with Scorpio or Capricorn or both, there is a kind of corrective thing, I think, with, yeah, the truth that Scorpio wants to find and the truth that I think is so important for Sagittarius. Um, and I think the, the the thing with those two is yeah, Scorpio is like, this is a little bit more serious than you're making it, you know, like, and, and Sagittarius can be like, come on, lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we can, we, we, there are levels to the shit. Like we could go, we can make the joke and then come down and like br bring the meaning back in. And, and like, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't all have to be heavy. Like there's a beauty mm. to life and there's, you know, there's a, you know, eat, drink and be merry kind of, um, so yeah it's, it's interesting to think about that <laughs> that it's giving me a visual right now of mars being like all right so we have to get this thing done so this is the reward that we're going to immediately give ourselves to have, do this nice fun thing as soon as we get it done mm -hmm. um and how like that is like a big like motivating factor at times when people have to do things they're like hold on i have an experience on the other side that's waiting for me once i just get this over with mm. Well, the interesting thing about that quote that I just brought up, the eat, drink, and marry quote, is the ending of that is for tomorrow we die, which is like, oh. let's enjoy it, folks. Like, we don't have every day promise to us. Like, let's mm. find the meaning and let's find the joy and let's find the connection while we have it um, mm. because it's not promised. That, that, feel, so that feels very Mars and Sag like ruling Scorpio right next to it. It's like we could die at any moment. So why would we not enjoy it for as much as we can right now? If there's nothing that we can do to prevent that. And if we know it's inevitable, then we should rage. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps, I mean, it's a very curious thing. Um, the eighth sign from Sagittarius being cancer you know like wherever mm. the rising is the eighth sign from that representing death mm. and some of the more challenging things of life grief anxiety um is the sign where jupiter finds its exaltation and mm. so there's this kind of connection between the quote-unquote preferred domicile of jupiter sagittarius mm -hmm. and that place that place of death you know being held up in that place um yeah, yeah and it is very interesting um you know specifically i actually did want to mention something that you brought up being the preferred domicile of jupiter because jupiter uh is a diurnal planet belongs to the day sect and so and also you know arguably prefers the fire sign to the water sign of sagittarius and pisces its domiciles and it's so interesting that this place where you know jupiter prefers has like this very intimate relationship with what has to keep going and in that way be reborn um it really reminds me of a lot of experiences that i feel like people go through i know some that i went through growing up in a really conservative place and mm. you know traveling and having like culture shock when you go someplace and you're like wait so this is how the world is so that changes the way that I see the world that changes who I am as a person, because that now changes the entire structure and foundation of my belief system into being something different and looking in a different way, because I just am now given more access to people, experiences, information, um, languages, you know, everything that you now have 
as perspective and how that changes the very core of you. Yeah. Yeah. I have like a thought that's like tickling the edge of my mind because it's sort mm. of related to this. Um, and I feel like I should just bring it up since I'm thinking of it because this, what you said SP reminded me of it. And then also Mackenzie, you brought up like hypocrisy and kind of uh, like being willing to let go of a belief system once you've learned new information, right? And I think that mm. that's such a beautiful thing about Sag um, is that they can they can do that. But I know that sometimes Sag in popular culture or whatever, especially maybe Sag Mars could be seen as like, I don't even want to use this word because it's icky, but like a crusader, you know, (laughs) you know, and very, and like dogmatic because I've definitely heard people say like, oh, like, you know, Sag doesn't have an open mind and isn't, you know, all of these things, they are, they just think they're right about everything and they're so dogmatic and whatever. And I think that's a really interesting thing about Sag Mars is that there's either it's again, it's like the two sided coin, right? There's either the fear of seeming um, hypocritical if you first believe something and you tell other people you believe these things and you stand on your soapbox um, and then you find out new information and you decide that that no longer feels authentic for you, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to just keep holding on to it because you're afraid of being seen as a hypocrite? Or are you going to be like, sorry, not sorry. Like I figured out some new information now, and this is now what I think. And the dogmatism thing feels like, you know, I think this, the thing with Sag is that we want to find that truth like we're always searching for that that one capital t truth but then we realize that there's not one capital t truth there's Mm. all of these truths and they're all conflicting and yet still somehow they exist and are here and so how do you reconcile that it kind of if you're not it, it kind of can make you crazy right so it's easier to just be like nope, this is the way it is. This is the thing. We're going to ignore all the other things. This is the right way. And then you become kind of like that dogmatic crusader. But if you were to try your best to hold on to all of these conflicting truths and just be with the discomfort that like there is no one truth, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, that allows you to be I guess, yeah, I just, I felt very hypocritical when I was younger because I always felt like I, I I had to have conviction. Like I had to be, I had to know what I thought about this thing and this thing and this thing. But so many times I would see the gray areas in mm. things and it made me feel wishy-washy until I kind of realized that that is a gift to not be so quick to be like, yep, this is what I believe. This is what I see and just kind of observe it and allow yourself to like shift in that belief if it feels authentic yeah yeah an acknowledgement of the complexity of the world can be a real asset um because it may give us pause where we might otherwise act rashly and Mm. so i think it's really interesting you know the framework that astrology can give us because it's interesting to think of the 
the relationship or the inner relationship that planets have. So if we think about Mars's action, um, and 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 I, what you were just sharing, Key rem reminded me of this. Like I think it's a quote, but it, it's basically to kind of paraphrase. It's like uh, the possibility of our actions are limited by um, basically limited by our perspective, limited by the broadness of our horizons. Um, so if we can change the way that we think. Uh, we can change the way that we act or perhaps mm -hmm. vice versa. If we change the way that we act, we might be able to change the way that we think we might be able to change our mind. Mm -hmm. And so like what represents mind in astrology, the sun, um, perhaps Mercury in the way that we maybe communicate or certain ways in which we think. And so it's interesting to think about that, the idea of truth and the complexity of truth um, being such a Sagittarian person and then having mm -hmm. my um, son in Capricorn, because I really do, if we think about Capricorn as cardinal earth, so the initiation of structure and think about the sun as the mind, I really do have this strong desire, which is why I have these philosophy books. I studied philosophy in undergrad. Like I have this desire to create a system, a system of thought through which I might live truth. Um, mm -hmm. But I think through attempting to do that and living life um i've learned how complex truth is and how um you know it's like between you know somewhere between every point the truth lies kind of like truth mm. is this very uh rather than truth being you know like the clear straightforward image of the sun truth seems to me uh something mysterious and difficult to grasp um and that that has kind of uh i think because i do think that mars and sag can be the crusader or the zealot um it can act on its belief system but you know in a potentially challenging or negative way but it's what is the belief system um and yeah i think coming to see how multifaceted and individual uh the embodiment of that truth is um has really helped me hopefully limit the ways in which I push my ideas on other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having Mars and Sag too also helps that because I'm just like, I don't want anybody to push their ideas on me. So, you know, I'm going to take a taste of my own medicine there as well. You, whenever you said the word crusader and even zealot, it also made me think of the martyrs, the people mm -hmm. that are willing to die for their belief. Um, they're willing to make like that ultimate sacrifice for what they hold to be true, um, what the truth is in their heart, they're willing to do anything for they're willing to do any action, no matter how grave to show their commitment to themselves mm -hmm. um, and to tr what they believe that big T truth, as you said, is. Um, I really love the phrase like when two people are in like an argument or even just a disagreement or conversation or situation that happens um there's this person's side and then there's this person's side and then there's the truth of the matter usually is what's often said and how you describe that between moving points i love um because each person's individual perception of the truth is seen through their own lens they can't see the truth through another person's lens because they don't have that history and experience and they haven't been through the same things and so they have a different set of 
foundational understandings that is perceiving how they view the truth, making it that sort of initial boundary to use like a nice malefic word, that boundary that you have to cross to go over to be able to, or maybe for Mars that you have to pierce, I should say, um, to get through and to be on the same understanding in the same page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, that makes me think like if there's two people and their sides and then there's the truth. Um, no, of course I lost my train of thought. But when you said like piercing through, it's it's like, I guess what I mean to say is that it's not that there aren't facts and it's not that sometimes people act irrationally or say irrational things and mm -hmm. your feelings are valid, but sometimes there's still the fact of the matter. It's not like that's not true, but I think um, coming at truth from that perspective of like, there's, there's points of truth in what each person is saying, like it's able to kind of pierce through that situation and like bridge the gap and figure out like have more compassion for the other person and how you might not be totally right and how can you see the truth in this person's perspective and that just like makes relationships better mm -hmm. i want to be very clear though because i think this is really important that i'm personally not a proponent of moral relativism or like uh, the idea that the truth is relative. Um, but I do believe that the truth is complicated and um, and that it may be embodied in the individual in different ways. Um, people live their truths differently. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm reminded of like a, my cross-cultural philosophy class in college um, where my professor, I remember my professor saying like, um, even moral relativism can be a kind of absolute, you know, like, so if we insist mm -hmm. on relativism, it's kind of a dogma unto it itself. is. Yes, mm -hmm. I was actually I was just about to bring that up, which is how when people insist on something, you know, being different in that way, that is still a defining decision that you have put on it and that you have essentially caged it within. Um, yeah, I love the way you worded that. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, we've talked, we have talked a lot about the Scorpio Sagittarius relationship in relation in, I guess, relative to Mars. Um, what are both of your thoughts on your Aries house and your relationship with Aries, you know, archetypally embodied wise um, with Mars? Because arguably, Aries, you know, makes an aspect of Sagittarius. And so they make a try and they're both fire signs. And so it would seem almost as if there's in a smoother relationship there, but that's not how things always work at all. Um, mm. And that's not how our lived experience usually goes. And so even though the Mars World House of Scorpio is right next door to Sagittarius, um, it's still maybe, you know, distance wise closer, even though the sight line isn't there. Um, I, I'm kind of maybe riffing on this a bit for me because I have Sagittarius rising um, and I have a planet in Aries and that even though it's a trine and you know there's it almost feels like there should be more of a relationship there sometimes it does still feel far away. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, especially in relationship with Mars, but um, yeah i'll let each of you share if you have any thoughts about that. I can go first if that's okay yeah. Yeah, so again, trigger warning, 
Mars is uh, can be a challenging planet. Um, and also a caveat, again, the multifaceted nature of astrology. Um, speaking about my experience here does not mean that anyone with a Moon-Mars conjunction has my experience or anyone with Sag rising and Mars ruling the fifth has my experience. Um, but with, with Mars ruling the 12th and the fifth and conjoining the, uh, the moon and the moon's associations with the body or emotions, um, in my early childhood, I had, uh, a very fragmenting experience of sexual abuse and I bring this up because it kind of ties a lot of the Mars, Moon, Jupiter stuff together as well as talking about uh, the fifth Mars's rulership of the fifth house. But um, it's very, again, the maltreatment of the, the Moon of Mars by the body, the planet that represents or rules over these fifth house ho topics of sex. So we would imagine that um, there, there's a potential for uh sexual experience in some way or another to be harmful to the body or harmful to the emotional life of the native um and another kind of caveat of that is that um conversely having the ruler of the fifth in the first uh sexuality throughout my life partially because of my childhood experiences um has been one of the most kind of pleasurable uh, found so much healing um, through sexual exploration, through sexual acceptance. Um, and so it's a very important part of my identity. Uh, and I think that this is really where um, the, the generosity of Mars and Jupiter comes in because Jupiter uh, again, it's in the eighth house. It's in this place of uh, death. It's in this place of grief and challenge. You know, we kind of just like throw all the shitty stuff in the in the eighth and the twelfth, and you know, like wherever. Um, and my experience with uh, the kind of Mars Jupiter connection in this kind of disjointed way, where they're like supporting each other in this weird way, is that one. I think that. Like I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be sitting with you here today if I didn't have the experiences that I had in my life. Um, and again, like caveating that, like I don't wish the experiences that I've had in my life on anyone, but I do think that they've given me the ability through a, like a lot of therapy, um, through a lot of different healing modalities uh, to find an understanding and an empathy for people that I would not be able to have otherwise. Um, and so I didn't talk about my childhood experiences for like over 10 years. Um, and a lot of that kind of, uh, again, the negative configuration of mars and jupiter of like and jupiter ex exaltation if we think of exaltation as like excess actions towards excess uh you know i was like a teenage alcoholic and i mm -hmm. ended up getting sober when i was 18 which 
is something that happens, um, but is unusual. Uh, you know, I've met people in my kind of journeys who have gotten sober at very, you know, 14, 16, very young ages, but um, most people, they kind of come to that a little later in life, typically. And again, through that experience, through those experiences of being down and um, dealing with these kinds of inherited health issues, um, again, like the ruler of the first in the eighth, also ruling the fourth of ancestry inheritance. Mm. Um, like, I think I've been able to really understand uh, people and like be able to help people because of the difficult situations that, that I've gone through. Um, and so, yeah, like there has been a lot of challenge um, that I've experienced with like my personal astrology. There has been a lot of pain, um, but there's also because of that pain um, and perhaps because of like my relationship with Jupiter and the configurations of the moon and Mars and Jupiter in my chart, like I've been able to find, uh, I've been able to put good purpose to those experiences. I've been able to find a relationship with divinity um, that has given meaning and purpose to those experiences. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And I share it because, I mean, one, I think um, if I can help one person via sharing my experience uh, or like help someone feel not alone or motivate someone to go into therapy or to, you know, seek help in some way. Um, because a lot of people who, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people experience uh, sexual assault and a lot of people who are like socialized as men do as well. And because of cultures around masculinity, uh, not a lot of people talk about it. And I think it manifests in like very difficult ways that um hurt a lot of people and so yeah just trying to do my yeah. part to just say like hey things happen and uh we can we can uh carry on and find joy and find healing um through mm -hmm. anything we really experience Exactly. That is that is such a Mars and Sag thing. It's like no matter what you go through, it you can feel better. It can feel yeah. better, and that's that's a very real thing that you share. Is that you know that experience of like assault and so much aggression that people receive throughout different points of their life and abuse um, is all connected. And there are so many different ways that we can resonate with each other and talk and work through these things and the almost taboo that you spoke of, you know, um, essentially like based on gender binaries and what people assume is acceptable to talk about. Um, you know, everybody, um, this is one of the things I love most about astrology is like everyone has a Mars mm -hmm. somewhere. Everyone yeah. has it somewhere and has some pain. You know, the human experience is not without pain in any way, shape or form. And although each of our own pain is very individual and specific to our experience, we can still connect with others and have ways of see, being seen and being felt and heard. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, Mars is the alchemist. And if any Mars mm. placement is going to try to find meaning in something, it's Sag Mars. But I love what you said that you indicated like the tricky balance that really is up to every individual person about like terrible things happen and you don't have to make meaning out of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. the individual finds that there is, like you said, you are who you are today because of everything that's happened to you. And, but, and yeah, I just, I just really appreciate that you said that because it really, you know, sometimes it's really beautiful and wonderful. And I'm always like, whether I want to or not, I'm always like, what's the meaning of this? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's really an individual thing that is so important. Like sometimes you find a meaning and sometimes you don't, and there's no, mm-hmm. there's no pressure to do that or not. Like it's, yeah. 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 I, I, just to elaborate on that, if I may, yeah, just very yeah, quickly. And I, cause again, I think it's like the, the Mars Jupiter of it. Um, I think I was speaking to my most recent guest for the Sag Sun, um, Fian Cleary about this of like the ways that new age spirituality can be perpetuating of um, structures of oppression, basically. And um, there's this like, everything happens for a reason kind of narrative, Mm. which, which we can kind of maybe adopt in astrology with like ideas about fate. Um, But Mm -hmm. I don't know, we don't have to necessarily get into that. But I found myself in my late twenties, um, really, you know, and I had like healed a lot from my experience, but I found myself at this place where I had really kind of lost faith in God, um, because I couldn't reconcile how something so painful had happened to me. If I Mm. was like, uh, loved by God. And if, you know, if, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but basically like if I was being cared for by God, like how could this thing have happened? If this was fated Mm. for me, or if, if this happened for a reason, like God is a bastard and I don't want any fucking part of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the place that that was what I was confronted with. uh, And the place that I came to, which was really just like, I felt like I, you know, just made this kind of half pivot and found this completely new perspective of like shit happens, you know, like, life happens and sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's painful and no one is required to make meaning of it. No one is, uh, no one has to do that at all. Um, but I found that for myself, the way that God fit into that was that I was able to find some kind of meaning from it and some ability Mm. to like show the wound, you know what I mean? Um, have connection with other people more readily and more easily because of that um and it wasn't that like god made that happen god carried me through that god walked with me through that um so that was just my process and again my truth is my truth and it doesn't have to be your truth but yeah that is so sad i just want to i just want to also say how sad that statement is because that is a very key theme it's like this is my truth and if your truth is different then i respect that um yeah 
And also something that you both kind of were talking about is that concept of fate, you know, and I feel like that is a very Mars and Sag topic is like being fated for shitty things to happen because um, I want to be very clear when I say that I don't think anyone deserves to have things bad happen to them. No one deserves to live in pain or suffering or anything of the sort. Unfortunately, being humans, though, pain and suffering is a thing that we feel. Um, and is a thing that happens to all of us in a certain way, regardless of our life structure, you know, even the most privileged people in the world have complaints, they argue with their spouse, probably like everyone has pain that comes to them and that happens and shitty things happen, unfortunately, and that doesn't mean that they're has to be some greater meaning for it, but that means that we can find it in there um you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'm thinking about uh again this is like a total aside like a maybe absurd aside but people uh you know who make a million dollars and they're like okay well what am i gonna do now make 10 million dollars you know and it's like (laughs) uh uh it can never end and 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 this idea of like um you know, happiness not necessarily coming with certain things, um, not necessarily coming because you have, you know, your material needs met. And that's uh, maybe a, to me is an argument for like a more a redistribution, but uh, that's a total aside, but it's what comes to mind. This idea that like, we all have problems. We all have challenges because um yeah like a part of our being i think is beyond the material and cannot be satiated or catered to by just meeting material needs or what have you Mm, that reminds me of the hunger that's in mars um like the hunger that mars feels and especially in sagittarius the hunger for something bigger than just their body than just being well on a physical level and the hunger for a deeper knowingness that can essentially satiate them more than the physical realm ever could attempt to or dream to. Yeah, I want meaning, baby. Give me the good, give me the good stuff. Give me the juicy stuff. (laughs) Give me the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the second house and the sixth house for me. Yeah, it, it and it might be a trine for both of us, but it's not it's not an easy relationship like that. Um Mars uh ruling the sixth house. Yeah, it's so with having Mars very tied up with my like the sun, the planet that rules my like visibility and my you know, the, my 10th house and um, and also being connected to like a very tight Plu- Saturn Pluto square in my first and fourth. Mm. It um it's been um well in my journey kind of with the second house, I remember when I first started using whole sign and I was, all my planets moved into the second from the first. And I was like, the second, I'm, you know, and I was like, I'm not obsessed with money. Like, what is this really about? And it kind of led mm. me on this, like, this search to really figure out what the second house is about. And that 
and then over the years I've realized how much um the second house plays into my physical body and like how I feel resourced by my body being Mars and how that's connected to my health in the sixth house and um and um I trigger warning as well for eating disorders I had an eating disorder for almost a decade of my life and um the Mars relationship just um yeah it's it's just a lot of um um just a lot of kind of like what we took what I mentioned before just like always feeling the need to push harder and do better and be more and um yeah kind of uh, wanting to excel past you know what is just normal for a healthy body but like be something bigger than yourself you know um and as I and I think I also you know that 10 years of my life led also into the feeling of like how the how Mars moves so non-linearly and like looking back at all the time that I lost being stuck in this really terrible place and wanting mm -hmm. to have accomplished so much more of all the things that I care about and so many regrets of well if this hadn't happened you would have been so much further and um really having to just kind of reconcile with that like like you said sp like sh shit happens like mm -hmm. things happen and it um i wish that it didn't but it also has given me so much insight and compassion for other people and their struggles like you said it's allowed me to help friends and loved ones who have also gone through the same things so you know, I, yeah, it's just that tricky thing where it's like, you know, it sucks that it happened, but also I have been able to make meaning out of it and found that I also wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through those things. Maybe I would have gone through them eventually in some other way, but like, I'm happy to be who I am at mm -hmm. the age of 29. And it is part of, you know, my story. And I think, a good thing that came out of that was like with the second and sixth house of like health and resources and like physicality was, you know, finding my way out of that eating disorder. And, um, I like, I found weightlifting and as corny as it sounds, it changed my life. It saved my life and it made me like realize how, um, how the body is like how nourishing the body and like caring for the body and just like you know before it was like being so obsessed with just making the body go away mm. and then realizing that I can like nourish my body and I can make my body strong and my body can and I can be friends and I can mm. love my body I can love what my body does for me how it keeps me safe and um how it can, you know, keep me healthy to the best of its ability. So it has been, yeah, like the health kind of health and body awareness of that second sixth house has been so loud in my life. Um, 
and yeah I'm I'm really grateful to have been able to like alchemize that experience Mm. I really resonate with, I really resonate with a lot of what you just said, specifically relating to the second and sixth houses, because I have my chart ruler in the second house and um, trying pretty closely my Mercury Mars conjunction in the sixth. Mm. And so um, feeling very much that like my body is the most ultimate resource that I have is have been a very resonant theme in my life of knowing that there's no more valuable resource that I can have and that I have very limited amounts of, you know, than my own body. It's it's not an infinite resource. Um, it is something that has a finite expiration date that grows closer the harder that I work it. Um, and then also doing everything that I can to maintain it. Um, so I very, very much feel that. Thank you for saying, for bringing all those things up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, having like feeling that way that your body is your the most ultimate resource is really beautiful and cool in a way that you can have that trusting relationship with your body. But it also is a lot of fucking pressure, right? Because like you mm. said, it's a finite resource and your body is not going to be a perfect performer maybe ever or maybe ever, ever maybe, maybe, maybe ever actually maybe it'll never be perfect maybe right. maybe <laughs> it is constantly the reaching and the searching and like the clawing it makes me like think of like that clawing on the floorboard type towards something that you yeah. just can't quite grasp that you're constantly just like fighting towards um because like what is perfection what is truth you know like what is that even um relative to the human experience when what we're ideally searching for or trying to attain might be shifting and changing every day um and the actual goal might be fluid there might not be like a place to peak it might be a very you know fluid flow in that way um there is a lot of pressure though it gets very it's a very high pressure situation because it gets to be um, very critical as well. Um, yeah, I can imagine a... too that there's like a, a fear of death if you're like this is all I have. Mm -hmm. The body is so fragile, you know, like the moon is soft and you know. This fragile. is all I have. This is all I have. <laughs> yeah. Literally, that feeling of constantly being on the precipice, even though like realistically, logically, if you try to bring it down to earth, you're like, I'm probably going to live quite a while longer. Right. You know, maybe maybe I could do the like the life technique or whatever. Maybe I could look at my zodiacal releasing, you know, um, just life expectancy and statistics. It's like, right, right. I got a few more decades in me, you know, right. realistically, logically, but that doesn't change that you know, that inner anxiety or that frustration or, you know, even that extremely Mars feeling of anger of feeling like it's still not mm. enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or I, I think the thing that comes for me again with this like Mars, Mars, Jupiter thing, it's like, what can I do that will make all of this worthwhile? Yeah. Mm. What can I really do in the face of that? And that's a mm. difficult question to to answer. And I don't always have, or maybe often have the answer to that. 
It's crazy that you're saying that because this is something that I've actually been talking a lot about recently with my partner and my therapist um, Mm -hmm. is a very like similar question in that, which is like, what do I have to do to feel like I'm not irritated, like to feel like all of the suffering and all of the pain Mm -hmm. is worth it is actually, you know, is actually doing something for me in a way. Um, And what do I what beliefs do I like hold tight enough to be willing to do anything for and make it like really feel like doing anything is actually worth it. Like, Mm. as they say, like putting your whole pussy into it, you know? Yes. Question about uh, lifting. Is there Mm. any kind of focus that you have with your weightlifting? Hot question. Hot question. These days, no. Over the years, I have moved into a very like fluid, intuitive thing. I started lifting in like 2013. So it's been like Mm -hmm. 10 years. And I used to have like really crazy splits and very specific. And I had it all written down and I tracked everything, you know, and I had my goals for the next week of how much I was going to lift then and whatever. But um, yeah, it's just become way more low-key over the years it's like I know how many times I want to get in the gym a week and I have Mm -hmm. like a relative idea of what I want to do but I really am like it's what it's what I feel like I want to do because like you mentioned with your Mars moon I also feel super restless and anxious if I don't like have a physical outlet Mm -hmm. and so I just kind of know that that makes me feel amazing and so i just get in there and do what i know i want to do that day and go home (laughs) nice yeah i I asked just because i have this working theory that like uh i'd be interested to hear with what listeners think or if they see this applying in their life um that like where your mars placement is like the sign uh given the signs association with the body can help dictate like where movement might be helpful or something like that And so like, I, I've ridden my bike from San Francisco to LA. Like I've ridden my bike across the state of California. I've run a marathon. I skateboard even as a 33 year old, you know, like I do all and Sagittarius rules the thighs. And so I end up doing all of this stuff. I tend to do stuff with my legs, like, um, and that juicy ass, Hell yeah. Well, no, you, I lo- you really said Sagittarius rules the thighs and you weren't going to mention dat ass? I mean, I was going to leave it to you, Mackenzie, because I'm, I'm a little bashful. So. We knew you would say it. We knew you Sagittarius it. rules those cheeks, y'all. Clap no, those it's- cheeks. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Claps for the cheeks. Um. Okay, I see what you're saying. I love that that has been your experience and I it's also been mine. I love doing leg workouts. I mm-hmm. so when I, I definitely focus on legs at the gym a lot, but I love hiking. Mm-hmm. Um I am a horse girl. I grew up with horses. So oh we God. cannot forget that Sagittarius is horse girl energy. We literally delayed the start of this podcast by five minutes because I had to run around my house and didn't finish my prep because I was looking for this epic cardigan with a unicorn on the back because I was like, it's horse girl energy everywhere for this pod. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're right. We have to mention the horse girl vibe. I've never even been horseback riding. 
really well you have the cardigan of the unicorn yeah i've never even been horseback riding i feel like i had like i feel like at a birthday party once i did like a donkey at someone's birthday but i've never done like a the actual real thing y'all i just like put it together when i was a little kid i wanted to be a cowboy that's like all i want screaming such such a sag mars archetype the cowboy like you're just roaming you're with your guns with your guns chasing the cattle oh my god that's so amazing yeah fun the gun the gun toting cowboy marge mars sag stuff too with like especially like the moon conjunction and like associations with early childhood i learned to shoot a gun when i was like four wow interestingly that's Yes, keep going. Yeah, no, and I learned to shoot a bow and arrow, which is a little bit more like Sag. I was like, so gonna bring that. I? Yeah, that it's a Sag thing. I was so into archery as a kid. My yes. like my family had the little the whole thing. Yeah, like my my dad wanted me to be like an Olympic archer. Like, oh we, my gosh, he like <laughs> wanted me to like really practice and like become. A, I was okay, but yeah, it didn't. I I haven't gone to the Olympics yet. <laughs> Not yet. There's still Not hope. Yet. There's still <laughs> hope interestingly what you said about mars uh and like the part of the body um i have found that like in a lot of people that their mars like sign that's a place that they like have a lot of activity but also that that is a place that they get reoccurring aches and pains um so both from the things that you do and also just how those things then end up being like an ache because that is really like in a person's life you know real embodied that is what mars is in the body it's an ache it's a pain it's a soreness Mm -hmm. um and so whether you use something a lot or based on you know physiological things such as like posture or your job or just like what you do with your body on a daily basis then contributes to where that residual mars will sit in your body Mm -hmm. um really big time yeah i feel like for me i definitely noticed that with overuse like mm-hmm. when I'm running, I prioritize my quads. So my quads are like overcompensating for my for my calves and other parts of my leg because they're just so fucking strong. Like mm-hmm. not not to like talk myself up or anything, but like and then do it. You're a sad slay. Do it. Slay. <laughs> Another really funny Mars Moon Sag thing. I I took a weight uh weightlifting class in high school because I had to. And I, Same. Won, I, I won the wall sit competition. Oh, yes. That is a Sag award right there. <laughs> Literally. I was, I, I was like, not even, I didn't even know I had strong legs, but I was just like, I'm just going to sit here for like 20 to 30 minutes. That's and so no one funny. Else could hang. It's mm. so, yeah, it's absolutely a Sag thing. I also was just born with super strong quads. And I also have had injuries in the past because I just overuse them and then Mm -hmm. I wasn't using my hamstrings enough. So I had to do all this stuff to kind of bring those muscles up. And I've definitely had plenty of um, like hip pains from either just like tightness or weakness in areas that I've had to bring up. That's it's always like that area of the body that gives me issues, if anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. That residual Mars just sitting there. Just doing the most. Yeah, I feel that a lot, I guess, like in my Sag rising, because I've always been very like leg quad dominant, like that's the easiest part of my body to gain muscle always. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my Mars being in Taurus though, I have residual neck pain and like upper back like pain, like none other, like up in my spine, up in like my traps, it's like the worst. That's like definitely where um, I literally have like cracked my neck multiple Mm -hmm. times on the pot, like in this episode, because I'm always having that. And so I definitely have seen that in so many people that like the Mars energy in your body, like due to the melothesia, medical astrology, like astrological man of the placements um, through the body that that ends up being a place that stores a lot of aches and pains just from the overuse of life or the overuse of like physical activity that is specifically related and works those muscles. It's so, it's so wild that both of you are like juicy quad people. Yes. That that ass is fat. That ass (laughs) is fat y'all. Truly, truly. Well, and it's funny what you said about the neck thing reminded me that it it definitely body pains happen by transit too, because pretty much every year, uh, well, every, not every couple years that Mars gets into Scorpio and opposes Uranus, I have such terrible neck pain. It'll be like mm. out of nowhere, it just suddenly comes and I have it for six weeks and I'm doing all these things and trying to get rid of it, especially when the nodes were in uh Scorpio and Taurus and then like as soon as Mars goes into Sag it's like oh magically it's gone (laughs) god those those uh those those Mars transits in Taurus and Scorpio during the node cycle was not it I'll just go on I'll just go on record saying that that was not it (laughs) it was rough Um, times rough times for sure um man i had a thought about mars a mars jupiter thing when we were talking about the fat ass thing and i was like i'm gonna come back to it but then the booty distracted me as it also, does as as it, it does, yeah. as it does <laughs> oh do we want to talk about um maybe like humans uh people that have mars and sag that we have thoughts about I do. I actually wonder though, and I don't know how much time we have, but I actually am wondering about your thoughts on the Deccans and like Mars in your Deccan, mm. because I, the Deccans are just so funny because they kind mm. of are, well, they're, I mean, the Sag Deccans are intense and they also <laughs> are like about kind of unifying your will towards something. And I feel like, Sag being such a mutable sign and all the things we've talked about with Mars being so like multi-directional I struggle with how that this Deccan storyline fits in in that with that mutability because it's hard to unify your will when you have like seven different wills (laughs) Mm. and um that last Deccan where my Mars is 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 very like you know, once you've, you've determined the will and you unify your will, now you basically like go big or go home. Like this is the performance, this is the moment. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's just interesting. And I wonder, and I know like your Mars is in the the first deck in, um, SP. So I just wonder like what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. The, the, I was talking about the Sag deckens yesterday and they are really, really interesting. Um, the first thought I think I'll offer is that uh, Sag in particular, the centaur is like this double-bodied creature 
and in some text i think i think it's fallon's but i'm not exactly sure uh the first half of sag is quote-unquote humane and then the Mm -hmm. last half is bestial Mm -hmm. and -hmm. i think we can kind of see that reflected in the imagery of the deccans um osteocopic calls the first decan of sag where my moon and mars are uh the poisoned arrow Mm. and uh I forget what the second decan is, but the third decan is something like the the dead horse. It's just like I get this image of a desert and like a a skeleton, a horse skeleton, just like being consumed by the the you know the piling sand above it. Um, and so it's just really interesting. I think the uh, the ways in which we think about humanity and beast and and the bestial or that that animal um because the poison arrow is the part of sag that is the humane part and we think of humane as more civilized but the thing that will kill you in sagittarius mm. comes from the human rather mm-hmm. than the beast um so i think that that's just an evocative image that i've just been thinking about recently and an, an idea i've been thinking about recently um how how our ideas of in astrology can kind of overlap with ideas of speciesism and how that can relate to um, animism or relational astrology what have you like how do we position ourselves above other creatures um or how how can that be done but i i I do think um i find something that you brought up earlier key that i find really helpful in terms of my Mars in particular is uh, just picking a goal, just picking something. And and I see this in particular with like athletics. Um, like if I just say like, oh yeah, I just, I want to run. I just won't do it. But if I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a 5k and then I'm going to sign up for, I'm going to do it. And I like create a plan to prepare for um, that helps galvanize action and I think that that's um, characteristic of the poison arrow, this idea of picking a target and shooting for it. Um, mm. Whether you have a quiver and you are shooting at different targets or you know you have like unlimited ammo, whatever, uh, choosing something and going for it, I found is is really helpful in terms of uh, effective action or, mm um action that like accumulates in a meaningful way Mm. yeah I love that that's really helpful it's like not necessarily having like unifying towards one singular will but at least like rallying enough to have a specific goal in mind so it isn't just like a dream or you know some notion it's like you have a specific goal um yeah that's helpful dedicating yourself enough to it for it to be a specific like plan of action mm-hmm. yeah i wanted to double check um because i didn't want to misquote but the second decan is the bridal the bridal right. which is like the that it's the it's essentially the thing that you put on the horse mm. um it's like part of the kit that you whenever you're horseback riding or like trying to tame or control um, part of like the kit that goes over um the goes over the horse's um mouth and reins 
um, and ears, like the whole physical situation that they go under, um, essentially to be controlled in that way. Mm. Um, and how that has to do with the like oppositional forces of like the going and then the control of it, um, mm -hmm. and trying to keep these things together in order to do something in order to be able to succeed or finish or achieve or whatever it is um and how the wrestling that goes into that um that's where my that's the degree of my ascendant is in the second um decan because my ascendant is 11 sag um and so that uh essentially the oppositional force of will is something that i am very intimately aware of in that way Mm, yeah, that second, it's like the first decan, it's like kind of makes me think that like half the battle is just deciding what you want and which direction you're going to go, determining the will in that first decan. And then the second decan is like, well, now I know what I want, but how do I hone that? And so it's like once you have the horse and you have potentially the horse power, like you mm. have to you have to put the saddle on, you have to put the bridle on, and you have to know the horse, and the horse has to know you, and you guys have to work together so that you can actually control the horse enough to get it to go where you want to go. Mm. And then I guess the third decan is like off to the races. Like you guys are a team now and you can do the thing. Mm. it's interesting i um not to go off on a tangent but i just got a dog recently and mm -hmm. he's yes a, talk about the dog yeah, yeah my, my boy Knox. he's um a very energetic puppy and so i take him on rides on my bike uh sometimes and i haven't ridden horses too much but i think about what i know of like horse people is they have very intimate relationships with their animals um, there's a very yeah. strong emotional connection and so there's something interesting about um, <clears throat> not only like the tools that you need to you know ride this horse or what have you but um, the intimacy that the intimacy with that creature that's also a kind of resource as well um, so that like, like I know how my dog runs now because I've, I've ran him on my bike a certain amount of times. And so like, I know where he might stop along the route. I know where he's more inclined to pull. I know how he interacts with people. And because of that, I can adjust how I'm operating with him so that we're both safe. Um, and I feel like that kind of, uh, you know, if we think of the centaur as the human relationship to the horse being so seamless that it seems like they're one creature. Um, I think, yeah, that second Deccan feels like evocative of, uh, of that intimacy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love using that word intimacy for that. Like, yeah. Cause it's like a dance between you and the thing that like the goal mm -hmm. or the thing that you want. And it's, they have to work together and you have to understand it to like really be able to accomplish it. I love that. Yeah. Like how can you wrestle with yourself and then also wrestle with the thing enough that they are able to work together mm -hmm. and be able to not even just work together, but to just operate like foundationally, fundamentally on the very base level, you know, um, before you're even able to do a thing, you know, just to operate purely. Mm -hmm. 
again i don't know that much about horseback riding but i think about the idea of riding bareback which mm. feels like you know feels like even more uh like you're so comfortable with that animal that you don't need a saddle you know how to operate with them so seamlessly that you don't need those tools so mm. i wonder if if con- conversely i'm just kind of thinking out loud the saddle or the the bridle is an indication of a, of a lack of intimacy somehow Mm. Uh, I don't know I'm just kind of exploring that a little bit this is making me think of a very juicy sexual euphemism right now (laughs) Um, (laughs) and the writing bareback and the and the writing bareback concept which um I will go ahead and say that that is definitely in a lot of ways an analogy or a metaphor one could say for like unprotected sex or protected sex and I absolutely do not want to say that anyone should have protected sex by any means or that that it lack of intimacy is a bad thing in any way because there should be a normalization of um condom use in real life mm-hmm. and that not everyone should just be riding bareback with everyone um yeah. but it's essentially I was not I was not <laughs> trying to but um but no but I like but I like that you said it specifically that way because it speaks to that you know potential intimacy that people think that they're owed Mm. um and that people people think that perhaps a lack of intimacy is a bad thing when you don't actually have to be intimate with everyone that that Mm. a lack of intimacy doesn't mean a lack of trust per se it doesn't mean a lack of um understanding between two people it just is Mm. yeah yeah Mm. I also wanted to mention just another like horse, not even pun, but just uh, you use the word horsepower specifically. Um, And I love that for Mars and Sag, of course, as like the horsepower being a very Mars thing, but, you know, literally thinking of a horse with power. Um, And I like the imagery of uh, you see them like wild, like fields of horses just like running a bit like unabashed nothing in their way just like across fields um and it gives me that very mars and sagittarius energy of like having the force and the power to keep going to cross these lands to cross these distances um to keep going in that way and i love the visual of that Mm -hmm. yeah and i just keep thinking about what you said sp about like riding bareback and how it's like that is even an even deeper level of intimacy and how it's like um Mm -hmm. of course i'm losing my train of thought now but like yeah if you have if you have a bridle and all those things like that's great and like you can control your horse better but like if you are like good enough to ride bareback on a horse like you have you have gotten into the flow with chaos more than the usual person. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, it just makes me think about what we've been saying about Sag, like picking things up and putting things down and how their journey might from the outside, maybe look chaotic or look unpredictable. But it's like, once you've figured out a way to kind of flow with that, um like animal nature or chaos or unpredictability like there's a real amazingness and intimacy there um that you obviously have with your craft or your goal or the thing um that you're able to like intuitively know it so well that you can do it interesting thought or concept um 
obviously being like as far as horseback riding skill goes you have to be of course like much more skilled to be able to ride bareback than without um like saddle bridle all of that but the notion that the saddle and the bridle even being able to put that on the horse in the first place is a level of intimacy in itself mm-hmm. um and even being able to get to that point of wrestling it down um of course, like as Sages go, like there's levels to this shit, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> people, people regularly, I feel like maybe look at like bareback, for example, horseback riding. Like, all right, this is like peak level intimacy. So that is the intimacy. Even how we say we're saying earlier, like the big T truth, mm. and maybe like ignoring all of the layers of intimacy that you had to break down and go through to get there in the first place, and. Mm maybe the jupiter part of that is you know being willing to celebrate every win Mm -hmm. like celebrate every win as if it's the last win maybe you know because there's Mm -hmm. no next level of win that's going to be guaranteed another another thing that comes to mind is like what is the function of this tool so Mm. you know it's like again i'm not i don't know that much about horseback riding but does bareback uh lend towards speed rather than comfort and if you want if you have to go a long distance perhaps you use the bridle like i think about cycling and there are um road bikes that are really fast uh so that it would be good for sprinting but like there's a whole class of bike bikes called touring bikes which are built to carry your camping gear and all your equipment so that you can go long distances with comfort and so mm. perhaps that kind of comes in as well. And maybe we find the answer in the third decan. Um, I don't know. But I'm curious, like talking about intimacy and then maybe I'm getting the name of the third decan wrong, but like the dead horse. Uh, uh, it's I think a horse's skull, but yeah, like horse dead skull. horse. Yeah. Yeah. So something is being... Um, something is there's a casualty something is being mm-hmm. um what's the word like given up sacrificed sacrificed yeah, sac- yeah. that's yeah. that's my favorite one of like one of my top favorite words for mutability as a whole is sacrifice um mm-hmm. there are different pieces of it i find in all of the mutable signs but that's like one of my top words for mutability because it's the thing um as opposed to like the thing that you are initiating or the thing that you are maintaining it's the thing you're sacrificing you know in terms of the three modalities uh cardinal fixed immutable um it's the thing that is dying in order to be reborn um and for sag in so many ways that is like the shred of our authenticity our belief system our who we are um and that necessity of fine of putting it down and picking up something else like as you said so honestly in my opinion like perfectly is like having to put something down in order to pick something up um as my partner loves to say to me whenever i do things um he'll say okay so it looks like you added something to your plate and that's amazing i'm so happy for you that you're excited about that so what are you gonna take off of your plate to make room for that and of course my answer is that i want to take off absolutely fucking nothing because i want to do everything but that's not realistic oh that is so funny the amount of times i've had those conversations with partners 
yeah. Even right now, I'm like, but is it not realistic though? Like, is realism, but right? Is it what is, is realism? realism though? Is Don't tell point? me what's realistic <laughs> or not. <laughs> and this is such an important thing I think about Sagittarius and Jupiter. We literally can just fucking believe ourselves into a new existence for real. Like, I think. <laughs> I, like Mackenzie, Delulu. <laughs> Delulu is the Salulu. I say this all the time to people. Delulu is the Salulu. Sometimes I wonder if like that's why we have like these Sat Saturnians around us, Mackenzie. Like I know <laughs> your so partner weird. is very Saturnian because they're like, but like, can you actually do that? Like, and uh, yeah, perhaps that's like the the Saturnian Jupiterian thing where the Saturnians like that's not gonna that no that's not gonna happen, and you're like watch me watch me like believe it into existence literally me yeah i've said this so many times um or have sh- i mean i've showed my chart on the pod but yeah my chart ruler is like jupiter and capricorn y'all so like the war within myself constantly of like mm. uh, you can't do that you can do anything that's not realistic what is reality like just just casual over the morning over the morning kombucha thoughts with mm. breakfast every day and I think it is very real, though, in a lot of ways. And this is a lot of the benefic malefic relationship, too, of like the optimism and then getting checked. And mm-hmm. then on the other on the converse of that, like the suffering and then the hope mm-hmm. that I feel like very eloquently in the Mars and Sag experience comes with the endless and abundance amounts of hope that you can have in the mm-hmm. face of crisis, in the face of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really, really love to see and feel and be around. Right. And again, to quote the wise Michael Scott, who quotes the wise Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you do not take. Slay. Which I feel so like, <laughs> like, I'm never going to know if I can't do it unless I give it a try. Exactly. And that's the thing is, and this is like what my kind of word of advice would be to Sag or like the Mm. people who love Sag, right? If you have Sag's, a Sag Mars in your life, like I want to say don't make them choose, but I totally understand where your partner is coming from, Mackenzie. I think the thing is, is like, if you love a Sag Mars, like be patient with their process and encourage them to like have compassion for their multi-directional process um, Mm. and like let them make mistakes because they probably aren't going to listen to you if you're like, I know that you like that, but this is ridiculous. Like you just can't possibly do this. Like, don't be rude. Okay. We can do whatever Mm. we set our minds to and at least be, you you know, like maybe you are like, that does sound like a lot, but okay, let's see what happens. Like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Like kind of make help, help them maybe make a structure around it. And if they Mm -hmm. fail, like let them fail. Cause we need to, like, we've talked about the failure is part of our journey. It's a sacred process. And just if we're not allowed to fail, or if we have people in our lives who are like, that's just not realistic. You can't do that then we don't get to explore like the entire sphere of who we are and like push the boundaries of what's possible because it might be possible. And someday we might be able to integrate all of those things that we want to do. Is it nonlinear? Does it take way longer than other people? Yeah, maybe. But like, it's just, um, yeah, I think we just need like space and patience and compassion to be able to do that. 
yeah again not to be repetitive but like all i've ever wanted was the freedom to make my own mistakes okay. and i think that that embodies mars and sag like so uh strongly like i don't I, I want to live my own life if i want to learn if i want to be wise and learn from your mistakes i will but i want to take my own actions and live my own life and learn mm. from my own mistakes and have the freedom to you know take a swing and so i do think yeah for people out there who you know have a mars and sag in their life um to like do your best to honor their desire to act towards freedom mm. um as far as it's really not hurting other people you know and like mm. um doesn't feel you know and if you are offering advice uh to do so in a way that is asking them if they want the advice and uh is helping them explore the possibilities rather than like offering judgment or offering a prescription yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm, i love that that's beautiful I know both too. of that you. That makes me feel so loved and seen. <laughs> Let's look at some of these Mars and Sag folks that we have um, examples for. Um, I absolutely love some of these, um, and I will pull up some charts um, for them. I honestly would love to start with actually the last person that was listed, which is Erica um, Badu because I like love her chart writ large. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, let me see if I can- I, I love up. to remind people that we get to claim her as a Sag Mars, even though she is very much like, I, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll let the Pisces have her, but like still, she has a Sag Mars. I mean, she's very Pisces, but she's got the Sag Mars. And I mean, she has an A-rated birth time. So like, I would go with I, the Sag rising. <laughs> yeah i i see it yeah um so yeah for the uh, for audio viewers erica badu um a-rated birth chart uh, has her with sagittarius rising um sagittarius mars in the first house along with jupiter chart ruler in the first house along with neptune in the first house as well um and as he said the Pisces claim her because she has sun and moon in Pisces. She was born on a new moon. Moon is farther than the sun, though, um, so little sliver in the sky. I love her so much. She's I know she's, she's such an innovator. She's wise. She's uh, she is beautiful and amazing, and I love her music. Like she is so brilliant and. But yeah, I love her music and personality, and she does take up space unapologetically in the world, um, which I so admire. Yes, like you saying that is making me think of like whenever she does interviews and she introduces herself with like all five uh, alias names that she has. It's like, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me. (laughs) She's like, it's just, she's not afraid to take up space and like her fashion is incredible. Like she's just, you know, she's not afraid to like push the envelope and be herself. And yeah, visually she is so striking. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know a ton about her, but I do like her music. I feel like the uh that Mercury at 29 Aquarius feels so loud. Like she's so has a Mercury in Aquarius rather than a Mercury in Pisces because mm-hmm. uh her like communication is like so clear and weird mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. i speak you know i speak as someone with like venus and venus and aquarius um so no no aquarius slander here but it just feels very there's like an alien quality to the way that she kind of like thinks and communicates um mm-hmm. that feels like super super interesting um and the other thing i feel bad comparing her to like her partners but um there's like a joke about Erica Badu that like all of the people that she dates, Andre 3000, that's the only person I can think of. But like, if you look at Andre 3000, like pre Erica Badu and then post Erica Badu, his style is like super, super elevated afterwards. Mm-hmm. And there's like mm-hmm. all of these examples of people that she's dated where she's like really um, brought something out in them. That's like really, really stylish and really cool and um, like out there. Uh, which I just, you know, quite appreciate. Yeah, all of her past partners, I'm pretty sure that she's like remained close friends with them. She co-parents with them. It seems like, yeah, like you said, they she brought something out of them and they very much admire her and appreciate her. And there's, um, that's, that's like an interesting um, kind of thing. That is something also that was making me think about like the Mars in the first like in Sagittarius specifically is that almost um level of respect that's given to her personhood and like Mm -hmm. her personality as a whole um and then like her legacy in that ways because I mean she has been in the industry like making music making waves for so many years and has done so much um that I feel like people almost underestimate that power but yet it's not questioned at the same time Yeah, it's also interesting too, just like the ruler of the fifth and the first. So you would Mm. think this as like someone who is a creative, like creative person, um, perhaps as like part of their profession, which obviously, um, you know, we see it with her. I think this might be more of a Vedic thing, but there's an association with Venus with voice. And so there's an interesting thing Mm. about Venus in the second house of resources and like the voice, um, this kind of very beautiful, unique voice as like uh, a part, like a big part of her brand. Um, So that feels really resonant and cool. She does have a very unique and like easily identifiable voice there are some artists that you can hear sing and you can almost get them confused for each other but i've always found her music to have a very distinct sound mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then i think like mars and sag ruling the fifth and one example comes i think maybe like mm-hmm. one of the only music videos i've seen of her but she's like out on the street in new york city i think and she's like taking her clothes off um which or she's like has different outfits on and she's like taking them off and at the end she's just naked walking on the street in new york city which feels very like provocative uh like mars fifth mars fifth house but then also like the dupli like the multiplicity of like many outfits or Mm. um like that kind of thing feels you know very mutable 
as well to kind of like say this image about identity really you know with like mm -hmm. the ruler of the fifth in the first house of identity and self you know there's something about like taking off all of these trappings and like what does that say when we get down to the bare bones of things about who we are as people mm. yeah I love that. and like i'm thinking about what you were saying before sp about the um mars being the protector of the moon and how mm. so she has moon on the ic a very sensitive pisces moon on the ic mm -hmm. and it's square mars in her first mars being the ruler of her wow. fifth and she has like yeah. this famous quote when she's like she was like debuting some like sharing some new music and basically was like be nice because i'm an artist and i'm sensitive about my shit yeah i remember so that that's so like that mars being protective of her like it's her art and it's her heart mm. and yeah i'm sensitive so be fucking nice nice about it exactly yeah. you better clap <laughs> literally you better clap i love that yeah. i love that so much yeah that's right. a tight square like it's so... the moon. Mm -hmm. it's real tight yeah that's yeah. what i thought that too i was like that's real 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 tight and then i mean jupiter's like on the ascendant too so like as far as big personalities go mm -hmm. i mean massive yeah. yeah, I can't I can't get her like huge hats out of my head. She's been doing yeah. all these interviews, especially recently, where she has these like massive hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. All right. What do we want to look at next? Thoughts on anybody? Either of you specifically like any of those people wanna mention? I think like well maybe i mean edna saint vincent malay i think like we could maybe look at her chart i don't i'm not mm. super familiar with her but i just was looking into her and i think she's so interesting the other um i'll pull her up okay cool the other people on there i don't have like a ton to say other than i was kind of looking at women with um sag mars placements because i think it's interesting how like when you think of stereotypical sag or sag mars um, you know, you might think of someone who is like very boisterous and outspoken and take up, takes up space and all these things, but like women aren't always allowed to do that in the same way. And so how mm -hmm. do, how does Sag energy manifest in women? And so there's like a couple actresses just, um, based on what they've done that I can kind of see some interesting things with like are women allowed to be funny? Are women allowed to be subversive? Um, but yeah, we can look at uh, Edna's chart first. Yeah. yeah. Just, a, just a quick aside. I actually, I have to go probably in the next 10 minutes or so. Okay. Um, but a, okay. an example that I pulled up um, or that I was would like to look at if we have time is um, Greta Garbo, who also has okay. another Sag cool. Mars. Okay, we'll look at this one and then, yeah, and then we can just like talk about this one real, real quick and then we'll pull that one up and then wrap up. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I just thought um, Edna's chart was really interesting. She was um, a poet in the 20th century. She was kind mm -hmm. of like Robert Frost kind of counterpart, um, like mm -hmm. female counterpart. Um, and she was a feminist. She was like a political activist. She was a satirist, um, very nonconforming. She was openly bisexual. She had an open marriage. Um, she was like 
called um, in some publication like the Herald of the New Woman. Um, and so that's, she was just that's mainly what I have heard about her funny enough is like all of the salacious saucy stuff because that's so yes. much what she's known for um, is being this like absolutely like spicy figure who's like willing to put her words and herself out there um, yeah. wow yeah um, yeah so she's just like for her time um she's just like it's really cool the ways that she was uh privileged and able to like be non-conforming um i think mm. even she like went by vincent uh especially in her mm. younger years and her teachers would try to call her edna and she'd be like it's vincent so nice. she's yeah it's just Slay. like gender fluid sexual sexuality fluid like she was just not giving a fuck about what people mm. thought so it was pretty cool <sighs> I love that so much. And you said Greta Garbo? Yeah. Perfect. Also, interestingly, I love that we're using examples of people that are like these couple examples that are actually like somewhat historical examples. Like they're not people that are like alive and active right now per se, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I love the almost like Sagittarian quality of like the history in that. Mm. Um, and like, obviously the first chart was like someone who is very well known right now, um, but like the contrast of um, the historical examples I love. Totally. I love that she also has Jupiter on the ascendant too. Yeah. Wow. And so the astro.com uh, biography to quote, says Garbo had a classic <laughs> alabaster beauty with a bisexuality that was fascinating and aloof. So another Slay. sassy Slay. bisexual we got going on here. <laughs> if um, you... <laughs> If, if you are a Sag, it's probably likely just saying. <laughs> yes, this is not to say that every Sagittarius is queer, no. but if you are, you are immutable who has many tastes. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, she's Yeah, so I don't know a ton about her, but yeah, she obviously uh, from that, but she was a famous actor who also was a spy in World War II so kind of like very mutable kind of person um you know we have gemini rising with uh with mercury in virgo uh mars in sag uh and then the mc is in this like really interesting eighth house placement it's like very crazy she's she's born in 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 sweden so it's like high enough north that mm -hmm. we have these kinds of extreme um angles which is really interesting i haven't seen many charts like this it's a wild i had a client with this uh, similar sort of configuration uh not too long ago but it was wild to talk about um because they were also born this like very far north by the poles um <laughs> yeah wild and that in her seventh house too i also um one of the things that i know about her is that she did play a lot of her roles were often um, very serious and intense. Um, mm. Like a lot of her acting was like very, I don't want to say rigid, but it wasn't just like light, fluffy, like mm. comedy, you know, like she mm -hmm. did like hard hitting roles, um, which I think speaks to a lot of that, like Mars and Sag experience of like being willing to go there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So again, on astro.com, it says after an affair with John Gilbert, I'm not too sure who that is she tended in theory to prefer the company of women 
Um, so there's like an interesting thing of like multiple public affairs going on, um, a kind of unconventional, especially for the time, sexuality. Uh, and then just interestingly with her ascendant ruler in the fourth and like this most mm. kind of hidden place in the chart, she was known for being reclusive and private mm. um, and just like spending time at home. So um, interesting. It's interesting. But yeah, it's like, oh, I was just going to say that like the nonconformist of the kind of sad mm -hmm. Mars or like the, the freedom seeking, right? In the seven yeah. house. Yeah, and I feel like that is something that we've said, I mean, just over the whole, like about these people and about over the whole pod, like the Mars and Sag experience of like how you said, like the freedom to live and to make that choice. Um, and also like essentially the freedom to take up space and be the biggest version of yourself um, and being shameless in that pursuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'll go ahead and ask if either of you have any like final thoughts, any wrap up places. We kind of already did talk about like potential advice for people with Mars in Sag or people who love someone with Mars in Sag. Um, but any just like final thoughts about your own Mars in Sag or writ large and also to tell the whole podcast in the world what you're working on and what you're doing and how to find you and all of those things. You want to go mm -hmm. for a key? Sure. I think, I think I've said all I wanted to say about Sag and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to talk with you both. This has been awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me at godspeedearthlings.com or on Instagram at godspeed.earthlings. Um, I have a blog where I've written several posts about Mars and lots of other things. Um, I have my offerings there and uh, I'm going to be offering some like experimental interview style offerings for some different uh, Hellenistic techniques and some different things that I really want to try out with people, um, planetary phases, past transits or solar returns, things like that. So um, look out for that with me because I'm really excited to kind of uh, dive in and interview some people and um, do some astrological research. Ooh, yum, delicious. I love that. Yeah, I, I've said it all as well, um, for the time being at least. Thank you so much for having me on, Mackenzie, and Kiva's pleasure hearing your thoughts and meeting you. Um, yeah, I have a podcast. It's called Luminaries in and Out of Sect. Uh, we just finished the moon series of which Mackenzie was on one of the final episodes. How did we forget to even plug that until this moment? <laughs> I was just on your podcast. Can't even. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Being on the moon, the Scorpio moon, like as like luminary of sect podcast was an absolute joy with us and Krista, our first threesome. And now this is our second threesome with Yuki. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a wonderful conversation. Very like uh deep, almost three hour conversation about the Scorpio moon. Um, I was honored to have it. Um, I just started a sun series. So I'll be um, talking to people about their sun sign over the next year. And hopefully, um, I mean, my goal for it is to kind of um, give the sun its proper place in contemporary astrology, like uh, reimagine what it can be outside of just the pop sun sign astrology. That's kind of my goal. Mm -hmm. We'll see how how we do over the next year um and yeah you can visit my website um i'll provide a link to it for the show notes uh i can't say it because it's like a whole long thing but 
Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram at SP Hall Astro. Uh, and yeah, I do natal readings. I do, uh, I really like doing timing readings. So if you're looking at your year ahead, um, I would love to, to look at, at that with you. Um, I also answer horary questions. So if you have a, a question that you'd like answered using uh, astrology, I can maybe help you with that. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you both so much for being here. I'm honored that both of you were here. I'm honored that this was the first Mars episode that I had two people for. I've been so hyped for that. And I am so grateful for everything that both of you shared about yourselves and your experiences. Um, so thank you. And if you are listening, if you are watching, thank you for being here. Thank you for being funky. And I will see you the next time our fates weave together.